Hello and welcome to the Meta Podcast. A podcast dedicated to bringing you live recordings from Meta events covering a wide range of multidisciplinary topics converging at the intersection of innovation in the African continent. This episode is brought to you by Hivo East Africa under the resources of Open Mind Project which supports a global creative work and project of artists, musicians and media producers around the world. The project through its various initiatives aims at supporting a new generation of creative futurists, challenging the dominant narratives and providing alternative solutions. In the last edition of the What's Good Creative Ambition series, I used to be a mobile photographer. I never had the it's not something I plan to do. So for me to just I wake up in the morning, take a picture of my cup of coffee or go out, take a picture of a flower and such stuff. Then later on around 2015, IBM had this interesting competition to um show innovative things that have happened in your city. A lot of people kept asking me, "You're Kenyan, Kenyan. You didn't go abroad, you didn't study abroad. Like you're actually just purely Kenyan." <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> And then I have this role where I'm managing 90 countries and I, I kept having to say you need to remember that absolutely nobody else applied who managed the most valuable company in sub-Saharan Africa when it comes to digital. We discussed a couple of topics around storytelling from African storytelling taking center stage in the global arena, challenging legacy institutions in the creative scene, role of government in supporting creative industries and the future of storytelling. The speakers include Mudoni Maingi, head of digital strategy at Oxfam International, Trevor Maingi, photographer and filmmaker. The conversation was then moderated by Dana Seda, singer and songwriter. We hope you enjoy this episode. So um why don't we just start by maybe um the both of you can give uh, some intros of yourselves and you know in this section maybe just give a little intro of how you started out what kind of inspired you so maybe noni mangi you kick us off awesome so i like to introduce myself in the following way i'm very passionate about the power of the mobile phone and the internet to change people's lives um i think we see it very viscerally especially in africa where for us like anybody in kenya right for us the first computer in quotes you have is your mobile phone. Mm-hmm. It's where you create content, it's where it's a space of commerce, it's a space of love, <laughs> of making friendships. It essentially is like a really meaningful space. And so for me this is a space that I've worked in for almost 14 years now, um being a founding director of the Bloggers Association of Kenya, having been a digital strategist in Kenya, in Africa and now globally. um across the world and so i'm very passionate about it and i am also very passionate about the kind of content that is created on it and also creating enabling spaces for content creators to actually be the best that they can be and that's something that i've also worked on for the past 14 years awesome noni um how do you think pandemic has changed your thoughts on the mobile phone and what content making can happen or the pandemonium as we are calling it i think you know none of us can escape the fact or not acknowledge the fact that this is an inequality virus on all fronts it just mm-hmm. is right and so i think it in one sense it has exacerbated those elements of inequality that exist in terms of um access to information access to anything right a lot of us have actually been coping through loss 
coping through grief. And that's a reality. That said, because we are no longer living the unvirtual worlds that we used to live in before, even in terms of... Unvirtual world. Unvirtual, yeah. Because virtual is, you know, you're online, you're talking, all of these things. We are not able to live the same reality of an unvirtual world. Um, for those of us who are able to still access digital, able to still access online, it has increasingly become the space where we are connecting, organizing, selling, rethinking entire business strategies around, you know, e-commerce and online in, in itself and digital platforms. So there are two ways to look at it in terms of the effects of the pandemic. There's the side where there is very, 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 clear loss and grief but there's also the side of okay this is an opportunity that people used to talk about that used to look cute on press releases and stuff Mm. (laughs) but is now a reality that we have to really organize ourselves around and really organize people around so making sure that even if you're pushing for policy for example you're pushing for more accessibility on policies uh because it just is literally turned into the a key key channel before it never really used to be, but now it actually is. I mean, I, I really like your language there and virtual world. So even the definition of what's real has changed. That's what you're saying. Yep, absolutely. It has completely changed. We are doing funerals on Zoom. That's not an, that's not a Kenyan reality, leave alone even a global, you know, a, a reality where people say they're very digitally connected and all of these things. It's not a Kenyan reality to be doing funerals on Zoom, to be having weddings on Zoom, right? We've Mm. literally been forced to become virtual, but that also means that there are a lot of people that are being left behind. I just want to check if uh, TJ's got uh, his mic up. I think think it's working now. So, uh, I mean, maybe we just go back a little bit to the beginning for you. Um, You know, storytelling through the camera and the lens, how's it been for you? And then how has pandemic kind of shifted your thinking? It's been something, it's been quite something, especially for 2020, where things were a bit rough from the month of March to around September. No, yeah, around Ikishaisha. That's when you looked down your Kwanzaa. Hey, upon you, we saw dust. I mean, especially, let me say to myself, I saw dust. So, because I think, you know, for some, it was, for me, it was interesting because I didn't have the space to create. I I tried singing and that team. My creative, for me, my creative space was basically outside is where I create content. So mm-hmm. with the lockdown, everything locked down, there's no place to move. It was just a place for me to sit down and reflect and ask myself all the questions. So yeah, it was a quite, quite a tough space. To well, you know, I know you and I know your work um, and I just, but I've not really wondered how you got started into, I've not really thought of how you started in photography and kind of what are the big breaks that you saw coming up? For me, I usually tell people I stumbled upon photography. It's not something that I planned, <laughs> I planned <laughs> on doing. How it happened is I think I was, I was a late bloomer when Instagram happened. So around in late 2014. I joined IG just to, to discover a new app, what is happening, people are posting photos. So just joined in. Um, so back then, they, they used to be this, we used to call them Instamix. So basically, basically on a weekend, guys plan on meeting up, then shoot around. So I just, I by, saw, guys, by guys, mm-hmm. you mean some of the best photographers in Kenya. That's what you are saying. Yes, yes. It was basically from the, the best of the best to... 
beginners it was basically an open space for guys who want to for people let me use people who want to come hang take photos explore the city mm. so um i joined in one of them and um just uh, what is it called just looking at what people are doing trying to figure things out so yeah um then later on um i used to be a mobile photographer i never had the like i said it's it's not something i plan to do so for me to just i wake up in the morning take a picture of my cup of coffee or go out take a picture of a flower and such stuff then later on around 2015 ibm had this interesting competition it was um show innovative things that have happened in your city so i was like ah sini kupiga picha tu so they had a competition for <laughs> for i think there was a laptop and um a trip to cost or something so i was like okay this looks i mean looks doable it's just like go take traffic lights go take um the night lights of the streets just be- for me it was just a basic um i thought it was something simple but i didn't end up making the cut to what's it called to being the top 3 sort of curiosity was like allah let me just see who are this top 3 and what the what they what they did to make the cut then i was like ah come there's much much more to this um space for taking pictures that's when we una tubeba you are one of the best photographers that we've seen <laughs> around here say una tubeba at you stumbled sijui you did vitu chini chini what's the actual truth i mean you are obviously very strategic in your style so tuambie <laughs> what did you actually do dunelekea hapo sasa so after this competition um during my uh, mobile photography journey samsung reached out because I used to post in my Instagram pages just take pictures and post mobile photography so Samsung reached out they were launching their it was a while back their Samsung Tezum phone to the mobile photo so they like um I see you're a mobile photographer we like your work um would like you to use this device to continue doing what you're doing so I was there like Allah come this this ikiti kona as much more to it so took up on Kasema let me be serious and see where this actually takes me So juggling between photography and work what were you doing for like a day job I had to no before so I had I was an aerospace engineer for two years I what say again <laughs> aerospace engineer for uh, for two years then I later did software engineering where nada una tupeba you know I stumbled a whole aerospace engineer bana So yeah so I did that I was juggling between photography and uh, soft, software development before I decided around 2018 that's when I decided I'm quitting this and going full time photography Okay yeah. No I mean that's such a fantastic story Um and maybe I can just follow up uh, not to put you on the spot but I just want to follow up a question for you Obviously sport mm-hmm. to tukiangalia when you mentioned your time 2014 Uh, mm-hmm. since 2014 back at leo for instance eh? mm-hmm. the way that the world is seeing storytelling in africa has really changed right mm-hmm. now they are almost being inclusive with us you can see that even their behavior their style has changed for example mm-hmm. you just did a shoot for architectural digest with mm-hmm. one of the most famous people in the world kitambo they would have flown in a photographer for that so yeah. what do you think about that and kind of where the our industry is going i think it's um one well, 
I'd probably say kudos to COVID. It's a it's a blessing with a curse, if you ask me. Because mm-hmm. ideally, if it wasn't for the lockdown and everything, they would have they would have flown flown in their people. But you see, for them, it's um they they haven't worked with Africans. This I mean this this happening is a blessing because for them it's they even but anyway even in their conversations they have yeah. the doubt they're like hey, oh. what, what, uh, what, what I deliver the story too you get <laughs> <laughs> so having having to execute such a project then seeing that it's um we are capable capable of doing it it's it's pro- it's definitely a good thing so for them they see that yes these people are definitely capable of delivering any work of whatever kind That's interesting. Um actually we need to follow up but I want to hear Noni Mangi's thoughts as well. So um <laughs> Noni Mangi um what do you think about this whole uh, shift of how African stories are now being woven into stories of dunia? For example Black Panther got a big budget. We, we it's it was the first time bef- that a studio that size has given an African story a budget of that size um they would usually other us what do you think of that kind of movement i think we cannot dismiss the amount of work that has been done to get us to that place mm. but also even when i'm saying it like that i don't like it <laughs> <laughs> i don't like that we have to explain ourselves to people i don't like that we are not treated with the seriousness that we deserve right i remember even yeah. when i got my current job a lot of people kept asking me you're kenyan kenyan you didn't go abroad you didn't study abroad like you're actually just purely kenyan <laughs> yeah. you know and then i have this role where i'm managing 90 countries and i, I kept having to say you need to remember that absolutely nobody else applied who managed the most valuable company in sub-saharan africa when it comes to digital right like i i am punching above my weight to even begin mm. with so for you to be saying are you kenyan kenyan what does that mean really <laughs> <feel>, right <laughs> you know yes i'm very kenyan kenyan i went to a kenyan school in a kenyan university i worked in kenyan company <laughs> and then <laughs> here we are right but somebody who is even way way less experienced than me can come and be a kenyan expert right but the moment i am an expert <laughs> of then now they're yeah. beginning to ask why why, why you right so yes I, i'm i'm it's okay that we're now being recognized and that's fine but i dislike the idea of explaining ourselves i dislike the idea that we're constantly having to justify we are we are capable we we are actually experts in the things that we do the reason why you're rating us is because it has punched above it has had to punch above the weight actually we're punching above the weight is the truth and and um maybe just to follow up what do you think has changed because you're you're alluding to the fact that we are standing on the shoulders of giants some people worked before us to kind of create the platform for us to come here so what mm-hmm. do you think has changed why is this generation the one that's kind of punching through I think number one we can't ignore the fact that you know social media has made the world flatter right but again it's what I said in the beginning it's made the world flatter for very specific people this is an access thing right mm-hmm. even as, in as much as we are punching through 
We're only able to punch through because we have specific privileges. You have specific access to internet platforms. You have specific access to, you know, now you have, at least in my field, right? You yeah. have offices here uh, that are from Facebook, Google, Twitter, et cetera, who are now sharing case studies from our work globally. So you're beginning to, to be seen in other spaces, right? But it's, there's still an access question around who exactly gets that access, right? So yes, it's nice, but it's a very specific type of person that gets it. Also, I think, I think um, the fact that you're vocal in a, in a time where social media is there for everyone, us being vocal and I mean, like for me, my work, um, I've been able to work with big, big companies because I have one, a website, two, I, social media. So such platforms help. When someone goes to Google, such as Kenya Photograph or something, or goes to Instagram, such as um, say whatever, then they find there's actually a Kenyan photographer who does this. So I think with the internet has really helped us a lot to be able to push ourselves out there. So it's just the internet. I mean, the assumption is that we were always good. That's what me I'm hearing. It's just that yes. now um, they can see us. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And there, there are people that are probably even better than us, but they just don't have that access. That's what I mean. Like, that's the saddest part. Yeah. I mean, obviously, discovery is always a big problem when you're making content and storytelling. There's so many good stories out there, but what do you have as Yoni? And it's, you know, that's a function of sometimes that's outside the creator's um, yeah. uh, And we see it in music. You know, in music, for a very long time, the music industry defined everything that was not UK or America as world music. So UK had, you know, pop, blah, blah, blah. America had subgenres, but everybody else, you are wild. So if you looked at uh, African music, they only knew five artists, Black, Lady Smith, Black Mambazo, Fela Kuti, <laughs> you know, the normal list. So every Grammy Awards, those five guys. Same, same. Yeah. Can Until... I just say something? Because people are asking me, are you Kenyan, Kenyan? You know, before <laughs> I got this job, I didn't realize we're such a small country. People expected a Nigerian or an Egyptian. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> I remember even when those black is king and everyone was so angry. Why wasn't? But it's true. You begin to see, even from an African perspective, who gets considered. So they get shocked mm. that it's even you. They're like, where? I have so I had so many incidences where people would even ask me, where in Africa is that? And I had to explain. So I used to be like, you know, that place with Lion King, like they don't even know the runners. It's that bad. <laughs> like it's just beyond. <laughs> beyond. So there's an education yeah. gap on the other side. Um, and what do you guys think? What do you guys think about these situations where we have obviously there's there's a lot of change in our industry, creative in general. So all the different storytelling, there's a lot of rapid changes happened in the last decade, but there's still some things that are stuck. You know, um, what do you think would be one of the things that you still kind of look at as a blocker? Maybe for you, TJ, now. I think in the creative space, it's very, it's, it's quite, um, no one wants to take the risk. That's the biggest blocker. Because you see, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. If you go to the ad agency, there's, there's a system that works. If they want photos, Shutterstock exists, right? Mm. So download photos from Shutterstock, edit that, you get so for me to go, for me to convince a client that we need, let's create content for you that you mm. use 
X this content instead of going to consider in Shutterstock, it's the the blacks are more of Ameri- the American side. It's, you can tell the difference. So for me, to, the, the biggest blocker for us creative is being able, I mean, they're, they're quite a couple. One from being able to convince the client that, hey, let's do this. They're, they're so used to a system that, because you see, the, the, the system is, if it's not broken, don't fix it, right? But okay. in the creative space, it's something that's totally different. It keeps, yeah. it keeps on changing. Now having, them, having to change that for them, that's one of the biggest blockers. But then you're saying um, culture, and you see once we start entering culture, now we enter colonialism and then racism, <laughs> right? Racism. Yeah, so, I yeah, mean, yeah. is that a big player in, in the space? Because it is, obviously it it's is. a reality. Mm. It is. I mean, I'd, I'd give you an example. If I was on a set where we have, the set was, um, the, the lead was a white person, mm-hmm. they'd be treated different if I was the lead. You get, am I making sense? Come at, um, if I said there was a director who was doing something, treatment it a of faulty if I was the director on that set. It's, it's something that boils down from top to down. That you get, you get um, Atacama, it's a white person, how everyone treats the, the, the room in that space, Nito Fauti, if as opposed to Kama Mimido director. So it's, there's so much learning and learning that needs to happen. Mm. You, as if you're treating this person as I think most of the times Nikuzoyana, you get because at the end of a restaurant, it's not even not in the creative space alone. If you go to a restaurant where it's a mixed race, you will notice in some spaces this happens. So yeah. it's I'd say it's a universal thing for me that needs changing. No need blockers. I think you know. Um Man, in some ways, it's, it's yes, there's the race thing. There's also the sexism thing. There are ways in which I'm treated as a Black African woman that you would be treated differently as a Black African man. Not always is it an advantage even to you, right? Like some white societies or some societies view Black men as a threat. And so for me, I'm less of a threat to them. You understand what I mean? Like these things when you're trying to navigate them, they manifest in very different ways. And I think it's about being aware of that, but also not letting it limit you. Like, I like to think about it this way. If this world was not created for me, right? Yes, I'm Mm. in it. I'm trying to navigate in it. This world was not created for me. Therefore, the rules were not created for me. And so, therefore, the rules do not apply to me. And so, I will move as best as I can as far as I can without thinking about the limitations of these things in as much as I'm very aware of them. I'm not unaware, but I refuse to let them be a limitation unless it's, you know, the very explicit, violent expressions of it and all of these things. But I will, I don't conduct myself within those rules, right? Like I wouldn't try and look as white as possible or sound as white as possible. In fact, I usually mm-hmm to English, you understand? Yeah. Because you're, those rules were not meant for you. Those spaces were not meant for you. So you need to create what works as mm. much as you can while being very aware as to why this person is reacting to you in the way that they're reacting to you. And to leave the door open for the next person. Um, yeah. So let me just shift Kidogo and maybe we discuss government. Obviously, Gava is one of the biggest 
you know, we can say historical blockers. <laughs> um, but I can say in the last 10 years, if I was to kind of help them out, I, it seems as though African governments in general are shifting towards more towards support. The policy used to be control, control, control. But it seems like now they're kind of shifting more towards support. I know they're still kind of looking in the rear view mirror because um, <laughs> they still like want to go and put a new law to arrest somebody. Um, but they seem to be changing. When you look at what South African government is, is interested in doing, look at Niger is kind of passive. You know, they're like, uh, they don't have any formal support, but, but you know, it's there passively. Um, I would say Kenya is kind of the same, but with the, and they're always looking at the rear view mirror. So when you, you can tell your story, but to keep it up, it's kind of that threat. They want to keep that threat. Um, Noni, what's been your experience so far of working with Gava in terms of just storytelling in general, making content? Uh, do you think we should focus on lobbying? So I haven't really worked directly with Gava. <laughs> I'm a bit. <laughs> I like to keep it in the in the space of um, you know I, I can push for my rights for, as far as civil liberty is concerned, right? But in terms of actually working with the government, that's not a space I've ever been in. Um, I don't I don't know that it's a space I'll ever be in. But I think that there's that thing where all of us at some point will have to push for civil liberties, that civil liberties owed to us, the rights owed to us, the justices owed to us, especially as far as expression is concerned and as far as investment is concerned. Um, I think I am slightly encouraged that when President Samia Saluhu came, that they said they even want to collaborate on culture and heritage and history, right? Like that's a sh mm. big shift. That's not a thing our Huge. government necessarily do, right? And so it's really about looking at or trying to find, I've tried to trace that MOU, I can't find it. I don't know if anybody else has it. <laughs> but that's I not there with you, Mira. Because that MOU will allow us to push isn't it? Those yeah. are the things that allow us to push. And so for me, it's about pushing. For me, it's about pushing what is our right, what our liberties are, all of that. But in terms of working with, I don't know about that. It's not my thing. <laughs> so I'll come back. I, I want to put a pin <laughs> in something you said. I'll come back. But TJ, umeshikwa. You know, photographers are arrested. Mine is just a mess. <laughs> I've been arrested like three times. Three times. <laughs> It's just, I think with Gava, it's it's a mess for any creative. I, I go to the point where I decided I'm not shooting in town because mm. the whole process of shooting in town means as a hobbyist, a day I have to part with around 15,000 shillings. Wow. Yeah. From paying to the, paying the cops to a city council license, it's, it's just a mess. But hold on, the, uh, Nairobi County had waived that license uh, mm. a few years back. They said it was, you could, but then you're saying ground kuna... Optics, <laughs> ground it's different. That's just on paper. Uko <laughs> inje when you get, when you get, um, when, like a cop will not want to hear all this. If you do not have any papers, it doesn't exist. Mm. You get, the message above is different, ukuchin is different. So it's, it's always, it's always been hectic to just like wake up, Go shoot. So I want to share a little story with you guys because me, I've worked a little directly with Gava. I want to, mm -hmm. One of my best experiences was I was in a room with the, 
the KFCB. They were trying to um, rewrite the law of the KFCB. And so mm-hmm. we were there. And obviously, if you know me, you know I'm not a fan of that entire organization. So I was like, <coughs> you guys, the, what you guys need to do is repeal the entire act. I love to the home. But uh, one of the things that we tried to impress on the team, the team, the team kept saying, look, we have to be more supportive of the industry because there's this pressure of creative economy and the money that is available, that's bringing Gava. So the team is like, you know, we have to get supportive because this industry can make money. But that the head of the team does not understand. He just doesn't have the analysis. And he has his own agenda that is, is, uh, is uh, prosecuting. And so that's a huge blocker for the entire organization to become supportive. Um, and so coming back to what you were saying, Noni, a little earlier, do you think it's that Gava is unable to engage with us because they just don't know? Or are they just pretending not to know? I think there's the element, to be very honest, they don't know. Um, I'll never forget, there was a forum I was in for women in leadership. And that was the one time ever there were a few government women. Usually they're not even included in these, if you think about it, like these forums, if you've ever been in them, these very forums for leadership, da, 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 even Gava is not included in general, right? And these women stood up and they said, I wish we would be included in such forums because then we know, right? There's the element of not knowing. But I think there's also the element of what TJ is saying, where it's very political. It's very, I'm also trying to survive. Civil servants are not paid well. Let's be realistic with Mm. life, right? In Mm. Kenya, they're not paid well. They're also trying to make a living. And so if these things do not cascade down to that extent, Number one. Number two, if people actually don't know, then people are talking to themselves in specific bubbles. So Mm. you can complain and you can talk about the difficulties and everything. But if you're also not including them in those forums, it becomes difficult for them to actually see it, feel it, understand what it is that's being said, number one. But number two is also really, even for them, like there are different levels of civil servants. We all know this, right? They're the civil Mm. servants who feel like they can make things move because then they're being paid adequately. They have the housing allowances that work, (laughs) you know, the car allowances that work. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) wants them to vote for BBI. They suddenly get all kinds of things. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And then there's a civil servant who's really struggling. (laughs) But if those conversations are not happening and people are not being realistic about those situations on the ground, Right it becomes very hard to have as a conversation. And so, yeah, it's really about pushing. It's not easy. Um, but as I said, sometimes there's civil line. I was genuinely shocked. I didn't expect that in that MOU. Actually, when I saw it, I was very shocked to be yeah, quite I'm, honest. I'm yeah. really excited about um, what yeah. she seems to be bringing. So hopefully... Yeah. Um, will be better. And and hopefully she takes us along with her. Eh? So TJ, if we give you the meeting with the supreme leader of the mm-hmm. actual country, mm-hmm. what, what would you ask him to change today specifically? I think the first thing is probably creatives to get more freedom because that's the biggest. What? More freedom, freedom to shoot. Okay. It can be a hobbyist, it can be a professional. I mean, the whole, the entire creative space, just for someone to wake up and decide, watch a Leone, the weather looks nice, let me go shoot. You get Because that's, I think, first, if that happens, then the rest will be easy to create, create a part for the rest. Noni, mm-hmm. if we put you in the room. <clears throat> I think for me, number one, 
it's A, to do the exact same thing, um, you know, the Kibaki administration tried to do, which is to TJ's point, make it cheaper, make it easier, make it simpler for people to create content, for people to create stories, um, actually have drives that sponsor these types of things. You know, there's, there's a lot of investment and government drives around youth initiatives and youth businesses. They mainly focus around farming. Um, they mainly focus on very specific business and there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. I'm saying, can we expand it, you know, into other areas of entrepreneurship and investment? So yeah, it's definitely to make these things simpler, make them easier, make them more accessible, you know, make it easy for me to just print out a permit online, right? We have yeah, those permits yeah. for other things. Why can't we do it for the creative industry and also make it yeah. cheap? But I mean, as I said, mm -hmm. that was a very Kibaki-ish policy. I hope that this government is also thinking towards that trend. Okay. Um, I want to add one, um, and I think it might help with what... Um, TJ was talking about earlier in terms of ad agencies. And I would add a conflict resolution method. Like we need a, a court specifically for storytellers. Because mm -hmm. ad agencies want to sit on your money for 90 days. And because you can't, <laughs> if you are to raise a, a complaint, it will take you mm -hmm. maybe six months to solve or, or even two years. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think for the creative industry specifically, and I saw that the acting CJ. Um, did some work with the small claims court. I think that's really critical for us storytellers. So below an M, really, we should be able to um, quickly dispose of. It should take two days. I should be able to sue you and get a decision in two days if you haven't paid me from an ad agency. And those agencies, Munatuskia, Kwanza behave much better. Gosh. Um, maybe let's just look at the future now, Kidogo. So um, before we before we end the Kidogo, can yeah. I... I want to talk about the agency, the payment stuff. Uh-huh. So this this is also to the creatives. This is because you see the problem, as much as the agencies involved, the creatives are also to be blamed. You get because I want my payments to be done uh, 30 days or after after delivery. Where when Anjayako you'll come and tell the client, eh, 90 days watching it as You get so it becomes it becomes it's always a double edge so that um client will be like eh bona bona let's work with that because mm. so there'll never be a day that unless all everyone comes to an agreement and says you you never go without your payment for 30 days right end of month msharakwe mengia ukenda kwa super you never say give me 30 days i'm give me 90 days i'll come pay you you get so it's always the creatives that come and suffer. But the, the only time that things will come to, <laughs> to, to level ground is when everyone learns to say no. You get like yeah. 30 days. You, you'll go, you'll go X, X days. Say, as somebody who's <laughs> the client side, we also delay the payments to agency, to be fair. It's <laughs> not client. It's not even always the agency. But why? Yeah. Why, is, why does that happen? Because it's it's the process, Dan. I won't lie to you. I've been through it before. Like it's just it's literally the process. When we agree certain things through our procurement, our finance, the process is ninety days. But I have a question. Why can't it be nine days? Your your point is invalid. I'm trying to explain how you know the food chain <laughs> comes down. 
<laughs> so exactly what you're saying. So there's, there'll be the brand. They say these days, then the agency has to tell you these days, then somebody will accept it. As you said, TG. like it's just a whole thing. Yeah. Human culture is just, I, I don't know. <laughs> Please, Please. Abolish the credit period. Defund <laughs> credit period. <laughs> You have somebody from finance and procurement here to explain it to you, but all I can say is, <laughs> as a brand manager who's some, been somebody in brand, you're given those terms, you cascade it down, they cascade it down to you. That's just how it moves. We need to go to the top guy and and have <laughs> a conversation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. So <laughs> So let's just kind of go into the future. Yeah. So TJ, maybe I'll just ask you this. Um, Really quickly, if I gave you a million dollars today to mm-hmm. invest in photography and storytelling to do with images and everything from how you are defining the mobile photography all the way to pro level photography, where would you invest it and why? <laughs> do you have that money first before I answer this? Some, uh... <laughs> <laughs> dollars. Uh, dollars. <laughs> I think it's, it's a very difficult question to answer now but one thing for sure is i'd probably i think from this is coming from a point where i've hosted a couple of spaces um on twitter so and hosted uh instagram meets i'd probably if, if i had that amount of money now a mentorship program is something i'd probably look into yeah <laughs> Beach life living. <laughs> but yeah, mentorship so, program. Noni, and you, after the villa, where would you invest um, a million dollars? Man, I wouldn't even invest in the villa, to be quite honest. <laughs> I, I think where I would invest the money would buy me villas. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, it would definitely be exactly what I'm doing right now, which is like a news by the catalyst model where I have young people from across the African content just telling their stories without explaining. You know what I said before, where we feel like we always have to explain ourselves. Mm-hmm. Even when you open an African storytelling platform, you now have to explain yourself. Why? Because the donors are white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? not telling the story to explain it to a white donor or you're taking the picture so that you know a couple of them a white donor will like or whatever right so for me it's really about how do we hand over those reins and how do we begin to tell stories that are very specific for us that we are interested in hearing that we want to know more of that we are learning uh from and also reacting to as ourselves right so now when you're reacting to it you're not reacting to to bitch, you know, those ones for why are you presenting us like this, right? Yeah. And even if you're reacting it in that way, you know that you're complaining to sort of like a community person, not a person who is speaking to others or trying to appeal to others. So for me, that's definitely the space I would be in. And I would expand it outside of Kenya. I would expand it into other parts, yeah, and create more bureaus. And um, so... What's the next thing for you? Uh, what do you see as a next trend, Noni, in the work that you're doing now? Trend? Um, I don't know if trend yeah, like is... What's, what's next? What's the next big thing? 
I'm hoping to get funding, but I'm hoping to get funding from people who understand what it is I'm trying to create. You know, like I said, I I don't want investment from people who will want me to, or will want my team to behave in a certain way, right? Yeah. I want it to be quite independent in that sense. Um, but once I do get it, I do want to expand into other parts of Africa. So I'm currently now looking into Tanzania or South Africa as the next space. I haven't quite decided yet. I'm wearing, weighing out my options. But yeah, that's sort of like the space I'm in. Good luck. TJ, what's next? Ushia shoot now, Mikambo. It's time for the crown prince of Benga. Ujakuja huku kwangu. Tuma, tuma, anyway, I'm ready to come. <laughs> Na kulipa 90 days ukakijua nani amesema tunafaa twitch na hiyo kitu. I didn't say that. Where that? Ada the bus. All I did was explain it. No 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 no. Abolish the payment period. Ah, all I did was explain why. I didn't say. <laughs> For me so what's next? Mhm. Is that's it's it's I don't You know, if you asked me this question five years ago, where do you see yourself in five years? We wouldn't be here. So it's one of those, it's one of those questions I've always found difficult to answer. Because if you asked me two months ago or three months ago, do you see yourself shooting? For me, it's always, the way things happen for me, it's, it's more of I'm exploring and experimenting. Right. I'm in a space where um, I can, I don't know if it makes sense, I can see This, I can see there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but I do not know where that is or what, 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 what is waiting for me ahead. Uh, yeah, man, that's really... I, I, I'm interested in the idea of a light at the end of the tunnel, but would you come on a train? So there's an, one other thing that I just... I can see in the chats that's uh, coming from Viana Oro. She's uh, touching this idea of agenda setting. Um, and I think uh, none of you are talking about it because the donors are white and kind of agendas tend to come from there. What do you think? Um, how do you think we should orient ourselves to it? I think, you know, the reality is in as much as I'm saying that I'm hoping for an African elite to fund me, <laughs> which is my actual prayer. That is my prayer. I'm hoping <laughs> for the African elite to come through. Um, but the reality is there will still be that donor funding that comes from very white spaces, right? I think it's about, and, and again, I'd like to be very categorical. Some things that I'm saying are because I can actually say it. It's, it's coming from a space of I can take those options from a privileged perspective, right? This is not for everybody. Sometimes you have to make those choices of, you know what, I need to pay the bills, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. There's no judgment, right? I'm not coming at it from a judgment perspective. I'm just saying what my wish list is and everything, right? And so if it's that sort of like white donor funding, I really hope it's not the liberal or neoliberal kind, right? It's the kind that's actually invested in the perspectives and the work that we are doing. And does it exist? Yes, but it is the extreme minority, right? So it's really about being very categorical about looking for that kind of funding, positioning yourself for that kind of funding, and also being the kind of organization that makes sense for them, right? Because they're taking a risk even on you, right? This is not yeah. a norm that you, they, they pick people like us. 
to work with. So yeah, that's how I look at it in terms of like an agenda. For me, it's, it's really being clear on, this is a business I decided to do and I've decided to fund, self-fund for a very long time because I want to be clear on the kind of donors and funders I get and that they make sense for what it is that I'm trying to build. And even if they don't come, I'm hoping the advertising side swings in and maybe it'll take longer and that's okay. But I'm not willing to make great compromises. DJ? I think it's the same thing. We just have to, it's a sad reality, but you have to adapt to it. Because you see, looking at a white panda and say a black panda, um, if I if I get someone here in Kenya who's willing to fund me, it would be like, yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm like, why would I spend um, 20 million on this guy? How will this money come back? Convincing them, like, I need this money to make a film or I need this money to make a personal project. They do not see that as an investment. They want, okay, if I give TJ 50M, how is that coming back? You get, they do not believe in, I, I, I storytell Storytelling in Kenya, not, not, not in Kenya, in Africa, is something, okay, let, let me speak in Kenya, it's something that is great, right? If I was, say, if I was in states where I want to do a personal project and it's based, let's say, on black people, I'd get, it would be easy for me to get funding for that project. But same thing here, the story, it's a different thing. But that doesn't mean I'll only look for X, X, X funders. It just, it just means I need to adapt to it. If it's whites that are there, pretend a knife. <laughs> Stawa. Um, I think I just want to mention one thing that is also in the, in the Quixote Minor says supply chain practitioners can help about the payment cycle. What I know from music actually is um, music has a culture of payment that has worked out for the live industry where you're paid a down payment upon um, contract signing and then you're paid when you arrive at the venue. Um, for international artists, actually, this payment is made in advance it's, and it's put in escrow. So where's the artist? So I, I hope that that's something that the music industry can share with the other parts of the industry. I'm not saying it's perfect in music, uh, but for instance, Mimi Sikuji gig, Kamam Jani Kanji, Abrave. Yes, story. Music is your I can't take Waruzango to Nirudinazo Kwakeja. Mimi Utanilipa advance Nifike Nipige Mzikiangulo Niendeo. That's why Spigangi Gigzingine Nasina Apologies. My name is Diana Seda. We make a pleasure sana co-host our to a deadly on a job to Zao. Trevor, TJ, the mentalist, photographer Mkali. Nani Maingi, the one and only fantastic media professional, works at a global office and is right now calling in from a whole other country. Nashukuru sana, this is What's Good by Meta. For more of these episodes, you can subscribe to our podcast channel on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform of your choice. To stay in touch with us, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at WeAreMetaNBO or email us on Nairobi at Meta.co. Until next time, thanks for listening.